so just like going into the week, the this week's show notes, we can mm-hmm. we can keep this in. And uh, I just want to say that I was contemplating talking about the "Don't Worry, Darling" stuff, but I don't know if I want to now. Hmm. Why not? I feel like it's already been talked about too much. By someone other than us? I feel like everyone. Like, I feel like it's just everywhere. Do you feel that way? Or am I just on a particular side of TikTok (laughs) and Twitter? Outside of you, I've literally not talked to anyone about it. And that includes the people in my home. Like, literally, you are the only person that has talked to me about this in any way whatsoever. Okay. I will break it down then. And if you guys are bored, you can skip forward a little bit uh, and and (laughs) go over. So what do you know about the situation? Okay. So do you know anything about it? I know basically we've, we've covered a little bit over the past few episodes. We talked about, um, what did we talk about? We talked about just the, of course, the whole thing with Jason Sudeikis Mm -hmm. and the serving of the papers and all that. Uh, We've, we've discussed how, how well, loved this movie is amongst the indie film scene crowd um that people are just chomping it's very at antis- it was been a very yeah and anti- highly anticipated indie film for sure yeah yeah so <laughs> so just to, to a little bit of a bookmark right there so it it intrigues me because we've seen stories like that come up so often these past few years you know, we about like, oh, this movie, you know, everybody, they gave it a, a round of applause yeah. that lasted a half an hour or, you know, five standing ovations or some exorbitant bullshit like that. And it's like, as as people who are not in the industry, we're not in the room, so we don't know. And I mean, there could be a lot of exaggeration there, but I would hope that anyone who is a creator isn't that self-important. Where they're giving their colleagues a 25-minute standing ovation for making a movie. I could see if it's a Nobel Peace Prize, if you've, you know, saved a bus full of burning, you know, a, a burning bus full of okay. children or something like that. But just a movie, man. It's just a movie. 25 minutes. I'm fascinated that that's the thing that that you're talking about right now in this story. Yeah, yeah, because I know it's It's going to go off the rails after this moment. So I'm like just putting that bit in there because we'll never be back here again. As we are finding, this movie has been going off the rails from the start. Yes. Um, So Don't Worry Darling, second movie being directed by Olivia Wilde. I feel like I've gone over that previously in the podcast. The thing that we are finding out now. So Olivia Wilde directed this film and she just did like a vanity fair because the movie's coming out soon. I think it comes out in September. Okay. She did a vanity fair article. Uh, I hope it actually was vanity fair. It might've been Hollywood reporter either way. And she was talking about her no assholes policy on set. Mm. She was saying that she doesn't deal with assholes on her set and, you know, makes it a safe environment for women everything like that that's what she was talking about having like a like very much like empowering safe for women protecting her lead actress everything like that so she says that because she has this policy in this interview she fired Shia LaBeouf oh 
Shia LaBeouf was originally playing Harry Styles' character, so he was going to be the husband to Florence Pugh. Mm -hmm. And she was basically saying, like, he wasn't good. Like, they were having problems, and so she fired him because he was being an asshole, was basically what she was saying in that interview. Shia LaBeouf, who we're not going to defend Shia LaBeouf overall. And by the way, this is the second Shia LaBeouf story we have this week. I'm going to get into that in a few minutes. Okay. <laughs> but we're not going to defend Shia LaBeouf because he's an alleged abuser and everything like that. But in this particular instance, he came out and defended himself. And I believe he was justified in this defense of himself. Oh. He said he left. She did not fire him. And a video was released of her basically begging him to come back and shit-talking Florence Pugh. Holy shit. So Let's she see. was calling her little, like, little Flo has an attitude. She literally called her, like, Flo, like, like in a demeaning way. Yeah. And she's, like, just, like, I hope we can work this out and everything like that. Like, that is not <laughs> – it, it completely contradicts her story. Absolutely. I, you know – and just for her to go out and and first of all, okay, let me let me back up a step because we're we're at this yeah. we're at this point right now. So with Shia LaBeouf, you're right. He is a terrible person. And that's what almost makes this even more damning. You know, there's a, right. a meme, there's a popular meme every time something like this happens on Twitter. It's you know, worst person you know actually makes a valid point. And it's it's <laughs> That's terrible. I think it's the onion or something like that. It's like, oh no, the worst person you know made a valid point. Right, right, right. And it's it's true. And it doesn't make him any better of a person. It's just in this context, it's like, fuck. The worst person you know actually made a valid point. Like, wow. He's he's basically going out on a limb right. and saying, Hey, remember how I'm and an it asshole? It doesn't absolve well, yeah, it doesn't absolve do. him of other accusations and, and things like that. But he does have a right to defend himself against this. As everybody know? does. And this is the type of nuance yes. that I, I wish was more prevalent uh, in the in the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard conversations. Because, you know, it's very possible and very likely that two people who are in a situation, neither one of their hands are clean to varying degrees you know so start off start this off by saying yes Shia LaBeouf probably was acting like an asshole on set and Olivia Wilde fucked up by basically begging this known abuser yeah <laughs> um and and the whole the whole thing was that apparently Florence Pugh had a lot of problems with him didn't want to work with him right which is very reasonable considering the accusations and also Olivia Wilde was saying that he wasn't prepared he wasn't this he was you know and and Shia LaBeouf's rebuttal was you weren't allowing for us to rehearse so he was saying we didn't have the rehearsal we didn't have the preparation that I want for me to act in this role fair enough right. you know like every actor know he's... has a different method way of going about things yeah. um <clears throat> and then so but like so florence Pugh has said that now she's not going to be doing press for this film man um she's she's doing 
the, I, I believe, the opening of a festival or something like that, and that's it. She's not doing any other press for the film. Unless something changes, unless they got her in her contract for something or whatever, she's not doing it. Also, Harry Styles is not booked to do any, like, late-night talk shows either to promote it or anything like that. So... What's your take on Harry Styles at this point? I really am curious about that because it's very easy to separate the Harry Styles that's like somehow wrapped up in this whole situation. And by this whole situation, I right. mean Olivia Wilde and, and, and Jason Sudeikis to the, you know, feel good pop artist, you know, who celebrates being non-binary and everything like that. All, all wonderful things, wonderful songs, of course, wonderful message. But it's just wait, so wait, odd. wait, wait, wait. Back up, yes. back up. Not uh, non-binary. Yeah, because you know what? he dresses in non-masculine uh, clothing on stage and stuff like that, and he'll oftentimes bring out like you know a pride flag on stage or. Oh, um, okay. I got. I, I, I'm. I misunderstood. Like so. Like the fact that he's androgynous. I was like, I don't think. He's That's what I meant. To. That's anyway. a better word to use. Androgynous. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so the Harry Styles thing, I think this is the first... Okay, so here's the other alleged rumors. There, there's also, allegedly, Florence Pugh did not like how unprofessional Olivia Wilde was on set with Harry Styles, and that Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde were having an affair were starting their relationship while she was still with Jason Sudeikis, which Florence Pugh also didn't like Yeah, because she's like, why are you cheating on your partner, your husband right now? Um, and then there were, there were rumors that um, Florence Pugh even had to direct some scenes because Olivia wasn't showing up. Man. Was when everything hair. comes out about this, it's going to be just fucking crazy. Oh, not yeah, this movie that should that... make Olivia Wilde's career might be destroying her career right now. Yeah. Um, oh, so... something else that we didn't mention that I, I we remembered right after last week's show, which is the fact that Florence Pugh is actually going through a difficult time herself right now. Zach Braff, they're not divorced. Zach they weren't married, but yeah, they're they've been together for quite a few years now. Well, they, so, they broke yeah, up. Yeah, they're they're splitting. Yeah, and she's trying to kind of – she's very much said she likes to keep that private. Mm -hmm. Doesn't – I mean, other than the, you know, acknowledgement that she's happy and, like, I know she had wished him happy birthday and stuff like that. Like, she wasn't so private that she never posted about him, but she just didn't like how the public dealt with her relationship. So she understandably was like, eh, no, I'm, I'm keeping my private life very private. Um, so I think Harry, the Harry Styles portion of it, I don't think this is really going to hurt him at the end of the day. No, I think no, he's I just going to kind of stay quiet. It could hurt him as an actor in, in the sense that he, if he's not doing well in the movie, he's mm. probably not going to get a lot of parts going forward, but he's, he's a rock star. So he doesn't need to like, that might be a dream that he doesn't get to fulfill fully, but uh, yeah, I think Olivia Wilde is the one who looks very bad in all this. She's, I, I mean, yes, Harry Styles is an accomplice to it, but she's the one who allegedly cheated. She's the one, I remember how I was like, oh, it makes Jason Sudeikis look really bad that the papers were served, you know. During the on, event, yeah. 
right, yeah. right during that event. And I, I, you know, I'm not saying that's justified, but she very much tries to portray herself as the victim in this. And I, and, but also the like strong, like protector of Florence Pugh. And it, it just, it fucking backfired on her really hard. Um, so I don't think she looks good right now. You're right. You're um, right. But I tell you what, it's interesting to note too, that the people surrounding her, the people who would be most affected by everything that she's got going on in her personal life. Well, that we know of, of course, and, and what's going on with the promotion of this film, the people who could be the most damning in this situation uh, are the most quiet. Jason Sudeikis doesn't talk about this sort of thing. Uh, Harry Styles famously yeah. knows to just shut the fuck up and be adorable. And Florence Pugh, well, she's a professional too. And as you mentioned before, she doesn't like to make her private life public. So rumors are going to be rumors. Yeah, and also Florence Pugh has not liked that the sex scenes in the film have been used to sell it and have been talked about and that it's getting all and like how Olivia Wilde is talking about it. She hasn't liked that at all. I think that's another reason why she stepped away from it. She's openly talked about how she doesn't like that. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. I, so I don't think Harry Styles looks bad overall other than he might get some bad press for his acting because they released a clip and people have said it doesn't look good. His acting doesn't right. look good. It's right. very short. I can't say anything based on his acting from a 13 second clip. That's, that's <laughs> bullshit. Um, and I think he, I think he looks bad in the sense that people are kind of going, why are you with her? Why are you with this person who's like, there's a lot of like weird morality stuff going on. She seems to be lying. You were with her possibly when she was still in a relationship. Sure. Um, now I will say, I will say this though. He might not have known the extent of that. She was still in a relationship. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes people say yeah. I'm done. This is over like we've already filed papers and that's not actually true. Not saying right. that's what Olivia's done, but the only defense I will give with the participation portion of that on his end is that he might not have known the extent of her still being partnered. Um, that's literally the only defense I'll give him though. I don't, I don't think it's right at all. Um, I think the people that look good right now, um, I think Florence Pugh is like America's sweetheart, even though she's British. <laughs> I think everyone loves her. Like literally everyone loves her. I, I don't think she's, she looks bad at all. I think people are very protective of her almost in all of this. Um, I think Harry Styles is kind of neutral right now. And if he's lucky, it'll stay that way. I think Olivia Wilde looks really bad really really bad right now and jason sudeikis i think is I, I don't know if it's the ted lasso effect as well or whatever but like i was a little bit worried after those papers were served now i think he's probably gonna be okay like i think he's kind of looks like a victim to a really shitty situation when his relationship ended and his family was kind of like torn apart you know yeah yeah I mean, that's, I don't wish that on anybody, you know, but if it truly was a toxic relationship, 
um, it's for the best to start the separation process and, 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 and work on, you know, making sure those kids are okay, first and foremost, and making sure he's okay. And, you know, just work on the healing. That's, you know? that's the fucked up part about all of this is remembering that there are two kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I will say that in the press coverage and everything like that, I really haven't seen and even people just talking, people talking on TikTok, people talking on Twitter. No one's bringing up the fact that they have children or anything related to their children, which is good. Then that yeah. sh it should stay that way. Um, unfortunately, because those kids have famous parents, those parents are going to be in the news and these stories will, you know, live on, on the internet for them. Um, True. and that sucks, but I mean, shit happens all the time that lives on, on the internet, you know? Now my this is a scandal. could probably dig up that I have a terrible MySpace when I was 11. <laughs> Sorry. You know? No, now this is, this is a scandal. Yes. But it is also a, almost a, a classic Hollywood type scandal, you know? And I, I hope it, I'm, it doesn't come off like I'm trying to romanticize it or anything. I'm just saying, like, as far as, you know, Hollywood and relationships and, and that sort of thing goes, it's not unique in that regard. So. No, I kind of love it. It's it, it does feel like an old Hollywood feud. Yeah. It's it's a it's a little bit fantastic. Um, and I anticipate I, that once this, quite a bit of it. Yeah, I, I anticipate that once this movie is sold and has premiered maybe um that a lot of these masks are going to come off you know and we're really going to get some information oh, about wait. what's going on i mean harry styles and, and olivia wilde may not even be a couple anymore because of you know him finding out that she was still uh not fully separated yet when they started their thing um assuming I mean, that he didn't know that that was all that was all me go like you know yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's one part. aspect. It's one possible outcome of everything that could happen here. But yeah. man, what a what a fucking They've been together story. over a year, I think, now though. So like eh, only a year. Know. Wow. Maybe two okay. years. <laughs> this is this is fucking fascinating. No, they've been together a while. Yeah. Yeah. So Cause they this movie was supposed to come out last year. Yeah. I think. Let me double check the numbers on that. She's been with Harry Styles since twenty twenty one. Gotcha. So yeah, a year. So yeah, that's a lot. That's a whole lot. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of living for a year. And I also want to bring up while we're at it, the second Shia LaBeouf story, which I also think is incredibly not scandalous in a bad way, in the sense that like, you know, we've heard so many fucking terrible stories, mm. not that kind of story about him. Apparently, the, the abusive portion of Honey Boy, which was his, he claimed to be, like, an like about him and his childhood dealing, like, with his abusive father as a child actor kind of thing. Yeah. And he, remember, he played his father in that movie. He said he made it up. That so his he, own father was not that way. He said he was loving. He said he spanked him once. Wow. And he got a whole movie out of that. So if you remember way back to when uh, we first started talking about this movie, I was like, you know, I kind of feel bad for him because, you know, he's been through all this and it was an amazing performance and all that. And then 
you proceeded to fill me in on the history of Shia LaBeouf and why, you know, he's not the hero that he comes off to be here anyway. So knowing this mm-hmm. detail as well, first of all, you got to ask, do you believe him? Do you believe that this is actually made up and he's not just trying to somehow take it back at this point? Um, I don't know if I believe him. I He could very much be in saying this in a, a cycle of abuse or something with his father. Right. His father is still alive and everything. I, I don't know what is... He said, this is what he... This is the quote from Shia LaBeouf. He says, I wrote this narrative, which was fucking nonsense. My dad is so loving to me. My dad was so loving to me my whole life. Fractured, sure. Crooked, sure. Wonky, for sure. But was never not loving. Never not there. He was always there. And I'd done a world press tour about um, how fucked he was as a man. I mean, it sounds like revisionist Uh, history. Well, this is what he said as well. He said, my dad never hit me. He spanked me once, one time. And the story that he gets painted in Honey Boy is this dude is abusing his kid all the time. Hmm. So, <laughs> um, I I don't, I, I really don't understand what's going on with him. Like, like is is this part of his like a continual break type of situation where yeah i think so i mean regardless if the 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 events that happened in that movie are true or not or at least not 100% how he depicted them in that film Shia LaBeouf for a good portion of his life was on camera whether it be even stevens yeah. or you know the indiana jones movie or you know, just a whole lot of stuff. Uh, fucking Constantine, uh, holes. Like he was, yeah. he was always working, and that's not healthy for anybody. You know, to be playing that, living that pretend world. Uh, you know, uh, almost twenty four hours a day with those terrible schedules they had on the Disney Channel. Um, yeah, it, I'm gonna <laughs> actually come back to something similar later regarding that. But mm-hmm. yeah, like I don't envy the situation he was in and if even if his dad was a fraction of the man of what was depicted in that film it had to be horrible having to deal with your only present parent being so inconsistent and being so as he as he described wonky all the time you need some type of like routine obviously and not just shit you know i gotta Yeah. yeah you need you need a responsible party in your life or else, you know, there's going to be some damage that needs to be uh, addressed. And I don't know, like you, like yeah, you said, I don't know what stage he, this is, but it doesn't sound. Yeah. Realistic. Apparently he wrote that script while in rehab. Okay. Uh, for what it's worth. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I question, I'm like, okay, now he's taking it back. Was the situation that he was lying the whole time about that? Or I don't know. You always worry when someone's, someone has been abused possibly, right? Like yeah. that if they recant that, if they say that's not true, 
and it is possible if they're being abused. If in the scenario where they've been abused, why are they taking it back? Right. You know, yeah. what, what is the, the situation? Um, and I'd imagine it's very, it's very difficult either way. If it's your parent. I mean, that's just, I don't know. It's, it's a very, it was a weird story. Um, I don't know what all he's going to say moving forward. I mean, he made it sound like, oh, the abuse never happened, and he lied about all of it. I'm wondering if it's somewhere in between. I mean, we haven't heard the last of any of this, you know, including Shia <laughs> no, LaBeouf. No. So we'll see what happens. I don't. I'm curious to see how forgiving Hollywood is towards this uh, revelation basically you know whatever you want to call it i i mean i think that that revelation is the least of his problems as far as like him working and stuff the abuse is allegations are are far more severe yeah and very serious and apparently next year he's gonna have to be in court uh yeah having to deal with that so you know, allegedly yeah, so we'll over have to all see this his stuff, defense. What's that? I said we'll have to see what what his defense is and everything like that. But yeah, you know, he does need to go to court to uh, pay for that situation. Like I just don't that understand. That story how... was dark. Yes, it was. I don't understand how people can basically go and film a whole fucking movie while they're being accused of abusing another human being. That's so strange to me. But it's unfortunately not the only time that we've discussed that on the show lately. So Yeah. 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 People fuck man. Yeah. Fuck people. Shit. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> That's I how know. we end that story. <laughs> In conclusion, fuck people. Yes. Yes. Um Yeah. So that was that was a lot. <laughs> are but, any of these stories you want to cover a little bit lighter oh fuck man it's a 180 lighter <laughs> given yeah. what we were just talking about um but i think something that'll that'll actually allow itself to a to a better segue is talking about uh some recent controversy with a uh a comic book cover for green lantern why was it controversial well uh dc comics put out solicitations of books that they were offering uh, with with alternate covers celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. Hispanic Heritage Month, of course, being from September 15th to October 15th. Um, one cover in particular featured uh, former and current, I don't really keep up with the book, uh, Green Lantern Kyle Rayner, uh, who uh, found out that he is Mexican uh, during a, a run a few years ago, mm-hmm. and it depicts him uh, in an homage to Mexican muralist uh, Jorge Gonzalez Camarena, which is a um, it's a piece of him holding the Mexican flag and um, you know making some uh, imagery behind him while just in space, you know, with with the ring and everything like that. So. This all began when the artist, 
uh, of this of this cover, uh, Jorge Molina, mm-hmm. he shared his tribute to this piece, La Patria, uh, that was set to appear on the cover of a book called Titans United Blood Pact Number One. That's a mouthful. Okay. Uh, in June, he said the cover was not supposed to see the light of day due to legal issues, but the original eventually made its way online. Uh, this weekend, an alteration of Molina's cover was revealed as Kyle Rayner's Green Lantern can be seen holding, and this is really fucked up, instead of the uh, the lantern and the imagery behind him, uh, in- invocative of Mexican culture, uh, he could be seen holding a bag of tamales. And uh, it's was this uh, official? Like, like this this is an official DC thing, or someone this was did official this? DC solicitations. <sighs> it had the barcode on it and everything. So, um, in uh, Molina's initial piece, you could see that the artwork was not quite finished because it didn't have the um, the imagery in the middle of the Mexican flag, the bird with the with the snake in its beak mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, Kyle's Green Lantern symbol was not completed on his chest so you could see it's a work in progress and you could also see jorge's uh, signature on there um the newer image looked complete and it had like i said it had the the barcode on it for solicitation and the price and everything like that but the signature was missing on this one and so when that was bought up um basically uh jorge molina tweeted out he said it's hard to keep my mouth shut about this all i can say is one has my signature and the other one doesn't go figure yeah so of course you know the backlash came and you know dc as of late they've not been the best when it comes to this sort of thing um it was also revealed that other uh hispanic heritage month covers uh their solicitations featured other uh hispanic characters um, eating all kinds of, um, you know, cultural uh, food and everything like that. We saw um, Blue Beetle uh, jumping off of a building, holding eight tacos in one hand somehow. It was just really fucked what? up. And that was the common thread. And I shared these images with the Discord because I was just in disbelief. Yeah, yeah, so you did share them back. and I saw them and I was, I'm still shocked that yeah. it's like, um, what the fuck? So, yeah, you know, everybody's everybody was understandably freaking out about this because it's not even like, you know, hey, this is like a cultural thing. It's just like a plastic corner grocery store bag that Kyle is holding that has tamales written on it and a few of them floating off into space. Like, wow. No, it's it it's bad. It looks really bad. Like. Yeah, I was I thought it was fake when you when you posted it. I was hoping it was, but you know, when the artist commented on it, I'm like, oh, this is not right. Then you know something's up. But I am here to tell you that I have, I have a bittersweet ending to this story. Okay. Uh, Jorge Molina tweeted out today, "Good news, everyone! I'm excited to share the official DC Hispanic Heritage Month cover for Titans United. The homage to La Patria is what is going out on the comic." Sorry oh, for the confusion. Yeah. The edited version I drew was an alternative option, not final. So it seems like he very much is, you know, playing ball and, you know, just trying to help the company save face a little bit. He went back and finished the original piece 
and that's what's going to be going out on the cover. Yeah. The, so, this original piece that is like the final one they're using is very beautiful. It is. It is absolutely beautiful. I, I want to pick this one up. It looks yeah, great. It's great. Kyle Rayner was the Green Lantern that was the main Green Lantern when I was getting into comics big time. So I think he's my favorite. It's, I, it's never, <laughs> I never cared about Green Lantern. And then uh, Joe Martin gave me some Kyle Rayner Green Lantern books, and I loved them. They were great. There so. you go. Shout out to Joe Martin. Yeah, like, yeah, he's the one who got me into Green Lantern. And I love the fact that, you know, there's a Green Lantern for everybody, you yeah, know? Absolutely. <laughs> the character, uh, a different character inherits the ring every couple of years. I mean, they always do circle back to Hal Jordan, who's kind of like their default. Yeah. But sometimes, sometimes we get great characters like Kyle Rayner and Jon Stewart, who everybody will remember, of course, from the Justice League cartoons. That's where he became popular. And, I was going to say, he's in, he's one of the most popular ones now because of that. Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of people, when they think Green Lantern, they think of him first. They don't think of Hal at all. Right. So that's kind of cool. So I'm glad that we got a, a, a kind of happy ending to this. But how fucked up is it that DC would even allow something like that <laughs> to see the light of day? It's just disappointing. Yeah, that's weird. That's a... I mean, I don't know how else to say. That's a really fucked up, weird thing. Yeah, yeah. It reeks of corporate, you know, just bullshit. How they come up with a half-baked idea. It sounds good, but then the actual execution just is its disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. That happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. I thought something interesting uh, was revealed, which was uh, Orphan Black has a spinoff series that's coming back. Of course, you may remember Orphan Black as the series that launched the career of Tatiana Maslany, who now stars in uh, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, over on Disney+. Plus. Haven't seen either show. Okay, well. Orphan Black or <laughs> She-Hulk. <laughs> Both shows are very enjoyable, highly recommended. Okay. Um, the Orphan Black spinoff will not be starring uh, Miss Maslany, it will instead be starring Kristen Ritter. Who is Kristen Ritter, you may ask? Well, you <laughs> may recognize that name from That's so good. Marvel's Jessica Jones. <laughs> so I feel like it's a talent exchange, you know? Orphan no, that's Black, really funny. Yeah, Orphan Black gets Kristen Ritter. Marvel gets Tatiana Maslany. So um, hopefully they'll get to meet one day now that uh, the, the Defenders are coming back into the uh, continuity of the Marvel stuff. You know, Kristen Ritter can make a, an appearance as Jessica Jones, you know, maybe not drinking as heavily, but show up, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Um, I'm assuming, I mean, since Daredevil is coming back, I assume anyone's fair game to come back. Very true. Except Very for true. except for that Iron Fist dude. Nobody wants him. He nah, can we can home. We can recast him or we can repurpose that character. You know, it's it's fine. It's we fine. can just ignore that character too. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Who cares about <laughs> him? Come on. All right. So uh let's talk about what we've been watching. I know you said you haven't watched She Hulk yet, but I haven't. We're two episodes in and it's kinda great. It's kinda my favorite right now. So Is it? Okay. I, I highly recommend it. Is that week it's, to week? It is week to week, and it's okay. only a half hour, and it feels too short okay, every cool. single time. You know, 
Um, <laughs> Has Daredevil shown up yet? Not yet. <laughs> okay. We are still establishing. Let me know the when world. that happens. What was that? Let you know. <laughs> Let me know when that happens. Yeah. I will. <laughs> um, so yeah. No, I've. I really haven't been watching that much. Um, Caitlin and I have been watching some horror films. I don't remember if I mentioned this last week. We watched um, As Above, So Below. Have you seen that mm-hmm. one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's one of Dean's favorites. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked that movie. Um, <laughs> we watched Nope. We And we've been watching, uh, like, the Great British Bake Off has a children's version. Mm. And the kids are like nine to 14 and it's junior bake off. Oh my God. It's so fun. It's so cute. There's only one season on Netflix, but it was so freaking adorable. And those kids are talented as hell. (laughs) It sounds like a palate cleanser from all the horror movies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wholesome goodness. (laughs) Well, let's tell you what's not wholesome goodness. House of the dragon. Oh my God. So, I watched the first episode finally yesterday, just out of morbid curiosity. Um, And I saw most of the second episode, but the first episode, it it did a good job of like selling the show. Yeah. I've heard it's good. Yeah. It's, it's good. And it, it really does. You, you have to know about the original series to really get into it. I think it's not like, Mm -hmm. Oh, this is a jumping on point because if not, then it's just going to be like, going into the prequels into the star Wars prequels and, and hearing them talk about trade negotiations for a half hour and just like tuning out, you know, but here it's like, Oh, I recognize that name. Oh, that's going to lead to this. Oh, this is where the mad King, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it really does pay to have knowledge of uh, the original series. Of course. Um, Matt Smith, of course, is the standout on the show. Is it going to uh, save my broken heart though? Is it going to, I don't want to answer that until the end of the season because right now okay. they're they're on thin ice with me. I don't trust them. I do not trust them. So I don't trust them either, but I'm probably gonna end up caving. You know, I I think yeah because if if this well we know I'm gonna watch that fucking Jon Snow show because I'm hoping course. they'll fix the series with that. <laughs> I'm putting all of my hopes into Kit Harrington. Yeah. They're like, oh, Bran actually died. Never mind. That didn't happen. <laughs> that last episode was just Bran's dream and Bob Newhart <laughs> as well somehow. Um, yeah, but can't recommend Hot D enough. It's really good. Uh, Hot D. Hot D. <laughs> uh, Kevin Can Fuck Himself is back. The second season. Uh, I think that's going to be it. I think they just said like, yeah, this is the, the second season is going to be the last one. So there's an end in sight and that's good because the, the premise of the show cannot facilitate multiple seasons dragging on forever. It's, I thought it's, that was just a one, one shot show anyway. I thought so too, but they left us on a cliffhanger last season. Oh, okay. So, you know, they, they had to resolve, but yeah, um, we're, we're seeing some changes already from the, uh, from the uh the first season and i'm i'm excited to see where it goes so there's that have you watched zootopia you've seen zootopia right yeah i liked it holy shit that movie's so great yeah i I enjoyed that movie a lot wow wait we had an animated movie that i had seen that you hadn't seen oh no i i've i've seen it before but i wanted to share it with d so um you know at the top of her list 
is not, hey, let's watch a Disney movie. Yeah. So in this case, I just had to like wait till we were in like a really good mood and just kind of like turn it on. Like, all right, we got nothing to right. watch right now. Let's check this out. And I'm like, just stick with it. Just trust me. <laughs> we've watched um over we started watching rewatching we've seen uh-huh. it before but over the garden wall oh uh, yeah yeah it's, it's the that, season i was gonna say the season is kicking in so we're probably gonna watch it more than once this this season but <laughs> yeah we're watching it again fuck you saw it on uh hbo max uh hulu it's on hulu, hulu. Right now. okay yeah. good 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 because you know we gotta make sure that it's in a stable place so when you want to watch it again, you can watch it again. <laughs> yeah, we got to get bunker copies of that. We got to get bunker copies of Gravity Falls. Those are both on my list. Blue Absolutely. The Gravity Falls special edition versions that come out are just so well done. And Alex Hirsch does a lot of like the audio commentary for episodes and stuff like that. Um, you know, he brings in his his famous friends like Justin Roiland and, and more to talk about their time on the show and everything. And they really just put so much love and effort into that series and it shows on those collections. And I really, I really appreciate that. I should probably well, get one too. As of now, it looks like the Blu-ray is sold out on Amazon. People are freaking out about all that animation leaving HBO max. That's actually another story that I read this week. Um, the, the buzz around the animation industry in LA right now is that people are, are untrusting understandably of uh, starting any new projects with Cartoon Network, with HBO, with Adult Swim. Yeah. Because, you know, they don't, they they can't maintain a series just on, hey, maybe this might come out or maybe we'll get one season. Like a lot of these shows want to have multi-seasonal plans because of course they're working towards syndication. They're working towards merchandising because that's really where the money is. So every cartoon wants to be the next Teen Titans Go!, they right. want to be that show that is just always on and in everybody's, you know, homes. So, yeah, they're really not trusting of of HBO and uh, and Cartoon Network right now. Yeah, um, that dude has annihilated that network. It's crazy. He has. Um, but, you know, part of the, the benefit of this is it's really causing people to take a, a closer look at how these streaming services are treating animated projects. You know, uh, Tuka and Birdie is almost a good example of that because while yeah. Bojack Horseman was guaranteed to come back season after season to actually get an ending, Tuka and Birdie, which is, you know, almost kind of a spin-off of that, it bounced around from Comedy Central to Netflix to I think it's still on Netflix right now, but it's wrapping up a lot sooner than they wanted to. That show was a spin-off? Yeah, I mean it's kind of not not a spin-off. It's like by the creator, by the producer, right? Oh you know, yeah, okay. one of those situations. But it's still got anthropomorphic animals living in the city, right. so it feels sense. like <laughs> it feels like the same thing. Um, yeah, but the only alternative, really, unfortunately, is Disney and Nickelodeon. And I say unfortunately because when it comes to showing realistic depictions of couples and, and, and love and everything like that. Um, they're not ready. They're not at that point yet. You still have to sneak stuff in on Disney to make them even acknowledge like same sex couples and that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, Disney has its own set of challenges right now. So maybe they'll do whatever people want in order to not look terrible. Lex, 
people freaked the fuck out when those two ladies kissed on Buzz Lightyear. They freaked the fuck out. And it was literally they for did. a half a second. People are also freaking the fuck out about the tell-all that Jeanette McCurdy just wrote. Oh, yeah. But she was Nickelodeon, so, right? She was Nickelodeon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's, there's a lot of people coming out after Nickelodeon right now. Nickelodeon has a lot of bad press. And I, mm-hmm. by the way, I listened to that book, and I highly recommend it, like the oh. audiobook. It was, okay. it was very, very powerful. Yeah. It's sad to think about what those girls went through. And it's it was just so obvious. It was right there, you know, and it's just nobody was yeah. watching these shows like that, you know? Yeah. It's just one of yeah. those, oh, you know, my kid watches it. I'll turn it on. I'll leave the room. I don't care, whatever. But And and those were all a little past, not all of them. Uh, her show, the iCarly was a little past my time. Um, so I, but that same creator had made all that like the Amanda show, those shows that I grew up watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and in his, he made like, I think he made also Drake and Josh, all of that. So like all of their really big live action shows he made. Yeah. Of and, that era for sure. From, yeah. yeah and, I, I'd and say he, probably from, he was gross as hell. Yeah. From all that on, I think, yeah, he was at, yeah, at the wheel. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. If it was live action, he was part of it. Shit. It's crazy, man. I got it from the library. Like I and that audiobook was yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah. It's a lot. Free plug for the library, man. I fucking love being able to borrow shit digitally. It is so convenient. Comic like, books, audiobooks are my top two things that I use that for. I've been reading the uh Madman Library Edition, which collects mm-hmm. like the first, I don't know. 10 years of madman comics and it is such an impressive book that i hunted down a copy now this book you know it's one of those huge like hardcover tomes you know i hunted down a copy for like 20 bucks but until that got here like i was able to just like keep reading it on the library app i managed to get through like maybe a good like three quarters of the book and it's fucking massive let me tell you and it's so convenient to be able to just have that in the palm of my hand and just like, you know, read it whenever. It's so yeah. great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Shout out to libraries. We love Shout them. out to libraries. They get a free plug every time. <laughs> every time. Because they're yeah. for everyone, you know. So I'll 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 kind of start moving towards wrapping up with this. Have you heard about Nathan Fielder's The Rehearsal? I've heard of it. Um, and I know people are like have been especially Twitter has been freaking out very much about that show. Mm-hmm. I just based off of the tweets that I've seen and the peripheral stuff about that show, I will never be able to watch it. I think you would get an anxiety attack from this show. Because I think I would too. I it makes me nervous just reading about it out of context. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much that happens here. So it's almost like the same feeling that I got watching some of those first season episodes of The Office is what mm-hmm. I get from this. And what's like fucked the up cringy about ones. Yes, exactly. And what's fucked up about this is that a lot of it is actually really happening to someone. So 
oh, it's it's hard to digest. You know, knowing seeing Nathan Fielder's what work. What is the before, format? So, the, oh my God, oh my God. So, okay, did you did you watch Nathan for you when it was on Comedy Central at all? Clips. I never watched the whole show. I watched some of his bits. As long as you're familiar with his with his mo. So, for those that aren't, Nathan Fielder is a comedian, an actor. Uh, what he does is he specializes in like being the straight man in situations that are extraordinary. So he'll put people, usually normal people, in situations where they have to make difficult decisions. Nothing that like puts their lives in danger, nothing like jackass, nothing like uh, punk or anything like that, but just difficult social situations that mm-hmm. he's orchestrated. So over his career, that premise has escalated exponentially. So he used to be on a show called This Hour Has 22 Minutes, and he would do bits with a laugh track backing him where he'd talk about, hey, what's what's the best way to tell a joke that's safe for work? And he would talk to a specialist and, you know, just drag out bits longer than it needed to be. Then came Nathan for you. And what that was is that Nathan Fielder volunteered to help people with their everyday problems. Like uh, one of the popular episodes of that show, there was a, a small electronics outlet that was trying to compete with a big box store. Mm-hmm. And so Nathan came up with the idea that if they have a big sale that uh, they would sell TVs for like a dollar or something like that, then they could price match the smaller store's price at the big box store, buy all their TVs and then sell them out of his store. <laughs> now, of course, you're going to say like, well, wouldn't everybody just buy his TVs for a dollar? Yes. However, the TVs that the smaller store were selling were in a back room guarded by an electric fence. I think there was an alligator involved or something like that. And you had to wear a tuxedo to get in. Like it just kept escalating like that. You get the idea. Right. So crazy shit like that. The rehearsal takes it a step farther. Same basic premise as Nathan for you. He's, he's volunteering to help people out of their difficult situations But in this instance, he's offering to build a world where you can rehearse what you're planning to do with actors in a setting that incredibly resembles the one you're going to be in. So just throwing out a small example of that, um, this guy was about to admit something to a woman at a bar. And so Nathan went to the bar and built it from the ground up in a studio with every single detail exactly the same. Oh my God. It is like some fucking psychopath shit. Like the only saving grace is his personality because he's just so flat. He's just such a a straight dude, you know, with the way he delivers. It sounds incredibly expensive. It does. It's like he got John Oliver money and he's like, I, I need to spend all of this. So he made the same bar from scratch to scale. Same chairs, same stains on the actual bar, everything in place. It was fucking bonkers. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. It sounds like an interesting show right there. It sounds like an interesting premise. Like, okay, I can take one episode of each of these, but there's a multi-episode arc that will make you feel so bad for everyone involved, including Nathan, that 
it's almost like you can't get you can't watch it it's so fucking uncomfortable i okay everyone who doesn't want to know what matt is talking about doesn't want to get spoiled this is the end of the show for you yes we love you yes uh thanks for listening be excellent to each other okay matt tell me what the thing is okay now that they've left one of the one of the tasks that nathan took on was he uh met a woman who wanted to know what it was like to be a mother and the woman is single you know she 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 was capable of of having children everything like that she just hadn't found the right man yet but she wanted to know what it was like to raise a child so they decided to hire a series of children actors to give her that experience from a newborn to 18 in the span of three weeks. Oh my God. It's a very truncated version. So same thing as the bar, incredibly elaborate setup. They rented a house in Oregon in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And in a, in a barn, he had his production team and the staging area for all the kids because, you know, babies can only work a certain amount of hours a day. So they would have to swap them out, but they would do it. The idea was to do it in such a a seamless manner that it wouldn't interrupt the flow of the illusion. And so say the mother put down the baby for a nap, some people, and this is how the episode started. We see her set down the baby for a nap and a team of people snuck in the window, kidnapped the baby, replaced it with another baby and just closed the window. Like nothing had happened. What the fuck? And it, it, it's a, what the fuck from then on? That's it. That's the whole thing. Right. So anyway, we go through this series of events. We find out that the woman who wanted the experience is incredibly Christian, closed-minded. Um, she's definitely, you know, just one of those people that doesn't want to hear about anybody else's point of view. Uh, at one point, Nathan decides to come into the production as the child's father, and that's where everything goes downhill because he finds himself becoming more invested in the situation than he should. And so they get to the point where the child is six years old. His name is Adam. Oh boy. What a cliffhanger here, huh folks? I hate to do this to you, but due to technical difficulties, unfortunately, the last bit of the show got cut off. So your friendly neighborhood, Matt Peters is here to tell you uh, what you missed from the end of the episode. So of course, I can't recreate the uncomfortable noises and reactions that the wonderful Lex Lutz was providing during the retelling of this story, but I will give you this closure because you deserve it. And for those of you who are listening that don't want to watch the rehearsal again, this is the time uh, that you can just get the secondhand cringe from this story. So here's what went down. Uh, unfortunately, the six-year-old version of Adam became overly attached to Nathan because he lived in a single-parent home where he was being raised by his mother. Um, and unfortunately, he imprinted on himself the fact that uh, he thought Nathan was his real dad. So as they're playing house during this show, the the young six-year-old boy is becoming overly attached and when it's time for him to rap when he was done 
he unfortunately could not uncouple himself from that idea that Nathan Fielder was his real new father now. And so when Nathan went to go follow up and visit the kid, he kept calling him daddy. And so he had to sit down with the mom and explain to him like this was all pretend and it didn't really go down like that. And this isn't for real. And I'm not your real daddy. Oh, my goodness. It was so incredibly uncomfortable. I cannot stress this enough. So the kid seemed to had understood by the end. Uh, what was really going on there. But of course, he was very sad about it. Nathan had to go back to continue this mockery of an experiment back at the house in Oregon uh, with Angela, the woman who was, uh, you know, getting the, the rehearsal experience. But then something incredible happened. Angela decided that she didn't want to do this anymore. And so Nathan was now left in a situation. Of course, you know, everything he has, he does has so much pre-planning involved. Nathan was left in a situation where he had this whole world built for Angela to find out if she wanted to be a mom, only for Angela to up and leave. So two things. He's left with content that needed to be created for him to fulfill his obligation to HBO. And of course he has to give some type of closure to the viewer. So he decides to just raise the kid as a single parent himself now. So he's the one in the rehearsal. A complete 180, once again, from where this show started out. It's such a trip. And he is affected as well. Um, That's all I'll say about it, because it's frankly uncomfortable talking about this show. It's so freaking weird. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Of course, you can... uh, (laughs) Find us on social media at Lex and Matt across the board. Um, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Lex and Matt. We have some exclusive footage of Lex watching the final episode of Dawson's Creek in her Dawson's Creek journey that, uh, you know, has been shared with us. That is on our Patreon page right now. Of course, you know, with that, you get access to the Discord and so much more. Thank you, folks, once again for listening. On behalf of Lex Lutz, I'm Matt Peters, and as always, be excellent to each other.